Yeah. There is a false assurance yeah. that they are saved. There is a false assurance that they will be with Jesus one day. There is a false understanding of how they should be conducting their lives. And if no one ever challenges it, they will die one day and they will stand before Jesus and the wrath of God will descend upon them because they have not truly ever committed yeah. their life to the Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me, Lord. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro-life ministry, and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us, and we would appreciate very much, ever so much, if you guys would leave us a review. Right, Vicki? We would so much appreciate that. I, yeah. I think it's not super easy to leave a review from what I yeah. understand. Yeah, I've heard that. It depends on the podcast service that you use, okay. so iTunes or not. I but it's worth it, I figuring it's not it out. iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely worth figuring it out. Yeah. So if you could do that, that would be a tremendous blessing. You would get a jewel in your crown, and uh, the Lord might actually receive you into heaven. Wow. If you leave us a review. Well worth it. Yes. Amen. You could earn your salvation <laughs> by leaving us a review. Not really. For right? those of you that don't know the Lord, we are joking on this. Yes, we're absolutely joking. <laughs> and we're actually going to be talking about salvation. We we're going to be talking about people who may or may not be saved. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to just introduce myself for those who are listening, maybe for the first time. My name is Daniel Parks, and I serve as the West Coast Regional Shepherd for Love Life, which means I oversee all of our efforts on the West Coast. And I have an expertise, with air quotes, in sidewalk outreach. I've been doing sidewalk outreach for um, since 2005 here in Charlotte, and I've been in other cities. And I'm joined, as always, by Vicki Cassiorg. Hey, everyone. And you can kind of maybe give your uh, pedigree there. Uh, my pedigree. Well, I've been sidewalk in sidewalk outreach for 10 years, and I am the sidewalk training director, I think is my title nationally. <laughs> yes, so I, I travel around uh, and here in Charlotte trying to train people to do what we do in sidewalk outreach. Yeah, yeah. And so again, for those who are kind of brand new to this podcast, we, uh, we're we here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and one of the busiest abortion centers in the Southeast, I would say probably one of the busiest abortion centers, most visited abortion clinics by abortion patients. In maybe the United States. Maybe in the nation. I just read, I, I'm not sure where, it might have been in New York Times, but where they said that North Carolina, because of so many states surrounding us, have limited abortion. We are like the the abortion state yeah. that has gained the most abortions yeah. since Roe v. Wade. Yeah, um, yeah. That's ended. pretty heavy, too. It is. And that's, of course, a podcast episode for another day. We actually yeah. did touch on that, how to minister in cities like where we're at here in Charlotte, where people are coming from other states for abortions. Yeah. So we did an episode about that some months ago. You guys can check that out. My point with that is we encounter hundreds of women every week in our time on the sidewalks. Vicki and I both have encountered thousands of women and men coming to the abortion centers. Yeah. We have a lot of experience in the realm of sidewalk outreach, engaging with people. 
and sharing the gospel with people at abortion centers. And so what we're going to be talking about today, which is a subject that has come up a couple of different times, it'll come up with you guys, probably already has if you've been out on the sidewalk, when you have people that have come to the abortion center that claim to be believers, right. especially here in the South. I mean, this kind of sentiment of, you know, my mom was a Christian, my grandma was a Christian, you know, all this, just because you you breathe air mm-hmm. in Southern America, you're a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. And so everybody claims to be a Christian. Um, and, and so... We get that a lot, but not just here in the South. I mean, I've heard that in California. I have also. In New York, you have Mm -hmm. people that claim to be believers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not as common as it is here in the South, but it does happen. And so we're going to talk about how do you minister to the women that are coming to the abortion center? And I would say, by default, the men as well. Mm -hmm. How do you minister to them? When they claim to be believers, but they're obviously they're, they're coming to kill their child, right? right? They're coming to an abortion clinic. Right. And so we're going to be talking that through. Yeah. I think it is such a critical, important thing to talk about because yeah. we are a gospel-focused ministry, and we know that it is the power of the gospel that is going to change what happens in the world yeah. with, regarding abortion. So if... The power of the gospel is truly powerful, then you would think abortion would be gone. And when I see a woman coming to the abortion center, claiming to love the Lord and, um, and claiming that Jesus is Lord of their life, it really, it gives me pause. Yeah, of course. And... I think we really need to address this because I think we should not just accept that. I do think it needs to be challenged. Yeah. And I think that's probably the main point here. Yes. Just because a woman says she's a believer does not mean she was a believer. Right. Now, I will say I have some personal experience in this realm for me Mm -hmm. in that I was a false convert for about three years. I actually was in church one time and... um, you know, I won't go through the whole history of it, but went down front, said the sinner's prayer. I was even weeping and uh, said the sinner's prayer, but I was no more saved when I got up from that altar than when I went down because the sorrow, the Bible talks about worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. My issue in that moment was I was caught in my sin, not that I had offended God and I needed to be saved from my sin, but basically I wanted God to help me to get out of the mess I'd got myself into, which again, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but if our primary motive is about us, about we want to, we want God to make our life better. We want God to make our marriage better. We want God to make our finances better, whatever reasons and motives people come to Jesus. Uh, The motive of the heart kind of, kind of makes the whole issue, um, clear, right? If the motive of our heart is about us, then then I don't think we're getting <laughs> truly yeah. getting born again. Yeah. Uh, my, my point with that is I have a personal experience in being a false convert, so I know that it can happen. I know that people can believe, because I did believe for about three years that I was saved. And when I truly was saved, when I truly was born again, that happened in my bedroom. I, I looked back and I was like, I hadn't, I didn't even, I didn't know God at all. Yeah. And so... Again, While you're going through it, you obviously don't recognize, hey, I'm a false believer. Maybe right. I should get right with God. You usually don't recognize it while you're in the Certainly. midst of it. It's something further that happens. Yeah. Someone challenges yeah. or something happens that and makes you— And that's what happened you, to me. Oh, okay. My brother challenged yeah. 
my walk with the Lord. Right. I claimed to be a Christian, but I was living like a devil. Yeah. <laughs> and he essentially challenged that and said, yeah. you're claiming to be a believer in Jesus, and yet you're living like you always have. Yeah. And there's something there's something wrong here. You yeah. know, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And maybe you're listening to this podcast episode right now, and you're not sure if you yourself are a believer. Maybe you're a sidewalk counselor. You're not sure if you yourself know the Lord. Well, I'll ask the question, have things become new in your life? Yeah. Do you have a new perspective on life? Is your heart's desire rather than pleasing yourself to actually please the Lord? Mm-hmm. Being a believer doesn't mean we, we never sin, we never stumble, Right. But being a believer does mean our heart's desire is to please God, not yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this podcast or if you're on the sidewalk and you're ministering to people who that's not true for them, Second Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If old things have not passed away for you or if old things have not passed away for them, they're living life like they always have, then they're not in Christ. They're not. A believer. Yeah. Right? Totally agree with you. So to paint the picture for those of you, maybe you're some new sidewalk counselors and maybe you're not quite sure what we're talking about. Maybe you haven't come across this. But uh, as the women, like Daniel said, we, we've counseled thousands yeah. of women, literally. I'm, I'm sure I've talked with thousands of women at, at this point. And the vast bulk of them are living with their boyfriend, certainly having sex outside of marriage. Um most are um that well they're here to kill their baby yeah and most are defending justifying rationalizing yeah why they're here they have a million reasons why it is okay for them to be here yeah that is the typical picture it's not across the board it's not all that we see but it's typical that that's most of the people that we yeah. see that would be an accurate picture so I look at that life, and I'm not seeing someone sold out to God. Yeah. Because I'm not seeing someone who is obeying God in several areas of right. their life. And so I I am definitely going to challenge their assertion that they are a believer. Yeah. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as we were going through this, I was thinking about what were some of the important things to try and give uh, future or current sidewalk counselors or anyone really to, as a tool yeah. to be able to deal with this situation. Let me say first, mm-hmm. the motive. Like what's mm-hmm. the motive of us challenging someone who claims to be a believer but's living in rebellion? What's our motive in helping them to understand if they're not a believer that they're not? Right. Such a great question because the motive for me is those people are going to hell. There is a false assurance that they are saved. There is a false assurance that they will be with Jesus one day. There is a false understanding of how they should be conducting their lives. And if no one ever challenges it, and I will tell you sadly— I'm not, in many cases, the church is not even challenging it. And if no one's challenging that, they will die one day, and they will stand before Jesus, and the wrath of God will descend upon them because they have not truly ever committed their life to the Lord. So it is out of love for them 
which stems from my love of the Lord who loves yeah, them. Yeah, an analogy would be someone has cancer, mm-hmm. and you can see it, right? It's eating them up. It's destroying them. Right. And because you don't want to inconvenience them, and they're believing the lie that they're cancer-free, right? And it's and uncomfortable they're, they're, also yeah. to address yeah. it, right? Yeah, it's certainly uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you truly love them, mm-hmm. you'll make yourself uncomfortable and them uncomfortable by telling them the truth. Mm-hmm. You got cancer. It's evident. I see all the signs. It's going to destroy you. You need to get treatment, right? right? You're not cancer-free. Actually, you're eating up with it. And so that's an analogy. Yeah. Um, it is uncomfortable mm-hmm. to talk to people about the idea that they might not be a believer, especially in these situations. And there's a sensitivity that we need to have and all that stuff, which we'll talk about. But yeah, let's jump into the next point here. Yeah. So so the first thing is, like you said, it's so uncomfortable. Um, you do approach it carefully. Yeah. I do think, you know, if I came right out and said, you are deceived. You don't, you do not believe in the Lord. He is not Lord of your life. Look at your life. They're, they're yeah. not going to talk with me. Sure. It's so shut it down right away. It's instant shutdown. So, so the first point is ask questions to help discern their salvation experience. Yeah. What, what they yeah. believe and why they believe that they're saved. So here's what I think is the question okay. to ask. If you could just ask one clarifying question, mm-hmm. I think this this gets to the root of it all. Okay. And you may have it in the article. I don't see I that don't you know. do. I don't but know. I don't know. I'm curious I think the question is, say. when you stand before God, mm-hmm. and he, if he was to ask you, what, why should I let you into my heaven? What's your answer going to be? Excellent question. So I want to share that last night I had this discussion with a, a woman, which is why this is so fresh on my mind, who claimed to be a believer, and I knew she was not. I I had already asked her enough questions about her background and her life so that it was clear she was not living a life um, devoted to the Lord. And uh, the first thing I asked is, uh, where where do you think you would go when when you die? And she said, heaven. And she said it with absolute assurance. Assurance, by the way does not tell you whether it's true or not. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I said, oh, okay, why? Why, why, why do you think that you are going to heaven? Which is essentially what you're asking. Sure. Why are you, why, why should you let me in? And she said, because um, I deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and said, because she has seen that when she has been in struggle, God has always helped her. Yeah. So notice where is the focus? On her. On her, yeah. On her, on her, on her happiness and, um, yeah. and that God is Yeah, and, and that her. question actually does get to the root of pride. Because if the answer is anything other than Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, right. and faith in him, then it's a false it's a false hope, right? If it's in good works or if it's in, you know, God has blessed me in the past, therefore yeah. I think that validates me for my eternal future. If it's anything other than... Because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ, yeah, then it's pride and it's 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 shifting sand, right? Yeah, it is. So that is a great question. It's also sometimes can feel hard and confrontive for some yeah. people even ask that. So maybe things like, well, what do you mean that um, that you, you said you're a Christian? What does that mean to you? Right. Um, was there a moment in your life that you became? A Christian, can you tell me about that? Just asking clarifying questions, and we've talked about this a lot. That one of the most effective counseling techniques is to ask 
questions. Yeah. And um, and if it, one of the questions that I put in the article, and I think is is another really critical question, did did your life change? Did your life change as a result of this time when you said Jesus became your yeah, Lord? Yeah. And what did that change look like? Yeah, kind of back to that Second Corinthians five seventeen dynamic, right? Right. right. And um, and then the immediate follow up to that. Well, given that, so they're claiming to be a believer, and they've given you their answers, and I, you may already be doubting that they're they're a believer. But then, then asking, what would God have you do regarding that baby in your womb? Yeah. Um. In the light of this alleged salvation, I wouldn't use the word alleged if I was <laughs> sure. if I was talking right to them. But in in light of your salvation, what would God have you do? Yeah. Um, so all those questions. First of all, it helps you to know. I think you ask those questions, you're going to know. Yeah. You're going to yeah, know yeah. where they stand before the Lord. But it also um, it it's a springboard for you to share the gospel. Sure. And and yeah. to move further into. Hopefully, a, a discussion that's going to lead them towards the Lord. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know. Well, I mean, I would say, too, and we talked about this before we started recording, an important question, and I don't know if it's just one question, but a line of questioning mm-hmm. is do they understand the gospel? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so you could ask them, so to you, what is the gospel? Mm-hmm. And that helps you to understand, too, where they're at. Do they understand that the gospel is. Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, not our good works, mm-hmm. not our good intentions or whatever other things that people uh, kind of put in there as their means for salvation. Like, what is the gospel? Yeah. And I think that's another important uh, yeah. question to center the conversation yeah. around. Yeah, really good. So um, then one of the other things that I think it's important for us to be thinking about is, is it reasonable to expect fruit? From a true submission of a life to Jesus. In other words, should we see changes? Should we see something? Should we see what we know the Bible says regarding um, their feeling about the sanctity of life, of all life? From the and obviously, I believe yes. They the Bible's pretty clear. If a life is truly submitted to the Lord, you're going to see fruit. Yeah, yeah. You're going to see changes now. The scenario we're talking about directly is dealing with the women that we encounter at the abortion center, right? right? So yeah. we don't have a you know, background with them. We don't have a track record of fruit in their lives. Right. But we do have, based on our conversation with them, a bit of a track record. You yep. know, for example, you know, are you married to the guy you got pregnant from? Right. Right. You know, what's the situation? And the situation yeah. ultimately will come down to they're pregnant by their boyfriend or, or this guy or that guy. And that lets us know that their life is not patterned by obedience to the Lord. Now, though they had sex outside of marriage, is it possible that they truly are a believer? It's certainly possible. Believers can stumble. We acknowledge that. Again, I said earlier, it's not that your life is perfect, but the disposition of your heart is you want to please the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you ask those questions or you get into that conversation, and again, we're not talking about grilling someone. We're not talking about have a list of questions and grill them as you're ministering to them car side or on the mobile unit or whatever. We're talking about in the midst of conversations, some of these things come out. 
and the reaction that they have maybe to the idea of sex outside of marriage and and that sort of thing can let you know whether or not they take God's word seriously. Yeah. Right. If they take it lightly that they're having sex outside of marriage and to them it's no big deal, that's a pretty firm indication that they don't know the Lord. Right. Yeah. They might know some stuff about God, but they don't know the Lord. Yeah. The woman that I counseled would, uh, told me that she did not know that sex outside of marriage was not what God would ever do. That yeah. surprised me. I've had very few people say that. I think she sincerely believed that. She said she had never been taught that. She did not know that. Um, I think it is possible in the modern church that <laughs> that, possible, that yeah. she has never heard that from the pulpit, and she obviously hadn't studied the Bible much. I told her there were literally hundreds of verses yeah. that I could send her that, that would show that that was not true. But um, but it's it's conversational. Like you said, it's not just a list of questions that you're going to drill them on. This is someone, um, when I was talking with her, actually, she had already chosen life. Yeah. So um, the way that I entered into that discussion is I said, uh, congratulations. What What do you think is the most important thing that that you could give your child? Yeah. This is a question I use a lot, yeah, actually. That's a good question. And, um, and she said, as always, this is always the answer I get, love. Yeah. And I said, you know— Love is critical, and I would say maybe it's second, yeah. but I think there's something that's even more important. And then their their interest is always peaked, sure. and, um, and they want to know what that is. And I say, I think it is um, introducing an abiding love and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because he holds their eternity in his hands, your yeah. eternity in his hands. Um, and then, then I'll get into how do you think that they usually agree with me yeah. if they've got any understanding of God. Yeah. And then I'll say, how do you think we do that? Yeah. Um, and oftentimes they say it's, well, the lady last night said, well, because I'll tell them. Yeah. I said, do you think that they will um, listen more to what you say or to what they see you do? Right. That's good. And, and she said, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. And she's a first-time mother, uh, this, this unborn child. And I said, well, I'll tell you from experience, it's, um, it's what they see you do. Like yeah. if you tell your kid, don't get drunk, and they see you sprawled out on the couch drunk every night, what do you think they're going to yeah. take of that message? Yeah, things are caught rather than taught. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and then I was able to springboard into some of the behaviors in her life and saying, is this something that you're going to tell your child don't do? Right. And we'll remember our discussion about it matters less what we say than what we do. They need, they need to be the same. Yeah. They need to yeah. match up. Right, yeah. And then you can go into... You've said Jesus is the Lord of your life. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, and then pointing out, well, if if Jesus is Lord, would you be here killing your baby? Yeah. Would yeah. you be here considering that? And 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 you can show again that disconnect between what they're saying and and what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just um, for the sake of time, let's jump into that next point, which yeah. is how do we confront and challenge the perception. That they're a believer. Yeah, like, and how I kind do of that graciously? did that a little yeah, bit yeah, in, in what I just said. But well, let, let me but say this, and then we said it earlier. Yeah. It's not just how, but should. Should we confront it? Yes. And yes, we should right. confront it. Absolutely. But again, it's done relationally. Like you said earlier, yeah. we don't just, <laughs> just kind of 
drill them. We don't just, uh, you know, lay into them. You're not a believer or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're not a believer. You're here to kill your baby. That's not going to be very helpful. That's going to shut the conversation down. But like you said, asking questions to help them to see, I think, is one of the most important ways to confront. And help them come to the conclusion on their yeah. own. Again, it, But it, also think, too, uh-huh. like we need to speak plainly and yeah. not kind of mince words. Yeah. And you could you could you could imply that they're not a believer by asking a question. And you do that very well as you talk about, is Jesus really your Lord? And I think when you do that whole progression of, well, if money was your Lord. Right. Yeah. Would you do whatever money wanted you to do? Yeah. If your boyfriend was Lord, would you do whatever he wanted you to do? Yeah. Um, if Jesus is Lord, wouldn't you do the things that he would want you to do? And so it helps yeah. them to understand, well, if you're not doing the things that he wants you to do, is Jesus really your Lord? And you yeah. let them come to that conclusion. Exactly. And I did actually do that last night, that exact progression. Money is, um, I start with money. And, and she, um, it took her, when I said, so if Jesus is Lord, would you do what he has asked you to do? And she said, yes. And I then I said very pointedly, has he been? Has right. he been Lord of your life? And she actually didn't answer for about a full minute. I thought maybe she'd hung up on me. Yeah. And then she said, no. Yeah. And so that was the point at which um, then I went into Ray Comfort's framework of sharing the right. gospel. And I did share the gospel fully at that point um, because she had made, she had recognized something really critical there. She recognized that she had really been deceived. There was, when you said don't mince words, there was, I've, I don't know that I've ever said this before, but with that woman last last night, she um, she was rationalizing some pretty bad behavior yeah. and um and i said is it you know is is jesus lord of your life and she kept saying yes this was before all of right the, and um and then uh uh and i listed off the things that she had agreed with me she had done and then and she said she still felt jesus was lord and i said honey i'm saying this out of love you're deceived yeah. Now, I've never done that, yeah, yeah. but it had been enough of a, of the conversation, and she actually did take it well, and which yeah. goes into our almost last section. Is it loving to challenge someone who claims to love Jesus, but is their challenge, aborting their child? And I, I would tell you, it's absolutely the most loving thing. Yeah, that, yeah, just like the example do. we talked about earlier. You know, right, right. We care about them. Another example of someone's uh, headed you know, walking down a path and there's a bridge out ahead and they can't see that there's a bridge out, but you have a perspective where you can, the loving thing to do, even if they got their headphones on and they're enjoying some, some awesome music, Mm -hmm. right? The loving thing to do would be to, to step in front of them and say, no, don't go that way. Or to take the headphones off their head and say, um, you're actually going down a way of destruction. Yeah. Now, of course, in that situation and in the situation we're dealing with, it's up to them to respond. But yeah, it's loving to stop someone on a path of destruction and uh, to speak the truth to them. And one of the big takeaways that I want for everyone to hear, at least what I'm saying, is don't take at face value. Challenge it. If yeah. you know some the what you've heard about this person's life does not reflect a love of the Lord and a submission to the Lord, challenge it. And 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 work through the full gospel, uh, because 
it will, I think, often bear fruit. In the case last night, it did. This woman actually did come to the Lord or profess faith in the Lord, yeah. and we'll see where it goes from there. But I, yeah, well, a scripture that comes to mind mm-hmm. that probably you guys, as you're listening to this, may may have come to mind to you, but is in Matthew chapter seven, twenty one, okay. and okay. I know you use this a lot as well, Vicky, where. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, mm-hmm. shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he yeah. who does the will of my Father in heaven. Perfect. Jesus is not talking about works, works-based works salvation, right. but he is talking about the profession of Lord lining up with your life and your lifestyle. Yeah. Right? If yeah. he's truly Lord, then you're going to do what he says. Yeah. That's just the natural flow of things. But there's right. going to be a lot of people that call him Lord mm-hmm. that he's going to say, Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. Yeah. And that is a fearful thing. That's a fearful thing to to believe that there are people who think that they're going to heaven. They're going to stand before him and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, look at all this stuff I did in your name. I went to church. I tithed. Uh, even told people while I was going to the abortion clinic to kill my baby that I was a Christian, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's going to say, depart from me, you yeah. workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. And I'll say, too, just to springboard off of that. Same applies to people who are out on the sidewalk. Like when you stand before him, if your profession is Lord, Lord, and you really don't truly know the Lord, you're not living a life in obedience to him. And you think that somehow your ministry out on the sidewalk is going to be like your salvation. That's your works yeah. salvation. Not not going to happen. Yeah, Salvation is in Christ. And so nothing that we do, the things that we do are an outflow of our gratitude toward what he has done for us. And so, um, yeah, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that's really good. I I do want to also make the point that after this discussion, and I do try to do this in all the discussions where I share the gospel, I did assure her, which you alluded to earlier, Daniel, that she was probably going to sin some more in life. (laughs) But what would be different is that the pattern of her life would be more and more growing in the likeness of Jesus and the the repentance following that sin would be more immediate, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap up, let's Mm -hmm. talk about these points of when it's appropriate to extend an invitation. Like, should we, at some point as we're sharing the gospel, maybe she sees by God's grace that she's not truly a believer or he, if you're ministering to to a father at the abortion center, um, is it appropriate to extend an invitation? Would you like to truly surrender your life to Jesus now? And the simple answer is, I think it's certainly appropriate. Mm-hmm. But the issue is one of the heart, right? And so the last point is, and these tie in together, do we just say, well, okay, if you're ready to do that, and repeat after me. Yes. You know, and, and I, I am against that. I'm totally against that as well. Yeah. If you truly are, like, if you truly understand that you aren't right with God and you need to get right with God, then you should be able to articulate yourself, however imperfect, that Jesus, I, you're not my Lord. I've not been living like you've been Lord of my life, and I need you to save me. You know, if they can't articulate in some way their need for salvation to the Lord in prayer, then I'm not going to do the pray after me thing. Right. Do you know? Well, Romans um, uh, 9, 10, 10, 9. 
uh, says, says that we're to proclaim with our mouth. Yeah. We're to speak it. We're to say it out loud. And I, I tell them, look, you read it, because yeah. I always cite that verse. You, you read it. it. It does say say aloud. I think if someone is very unwilling to, what brought them to their struggles in the first place ultimately was pride. Yeah. And I think it's pride that uh, that people say, oh, I couldn't do that. Right. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah. if, if you're ready to submit your life to the Lord— you should humble yourself enough to be able yeah. to say it out loud. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's all for this episode. We could certainly say a lot more, but for the sake of time, we'll just leave it there. Some good resources, I think. Uh, Ray Comfort's website oh, is so a good great. resource. Right now, you're going through. I'm going through a wonderful book. I I can't remember the exact title, but one hundred one one hundred one um, lessons in evangelical something or other Evangelism. is the title of it, and um, and it's by Ray Comfort. Pence, Mark Pence, I think he works with, and then one other. Mark um, Spence. Spence, okay, and, and Kirk Cameron. Mike Pence, who's I am. A... <laughs> I am. Um, and then Kirk Cameron are the writers. It is phenomenal, and you will learn so much. And I just, I just think that this is where so many people fall short. Yeah. Um, in ministering to people out on the as sidewalk counselors or anywhere, in in sharing the gospel in a way where you, you're not producing false converts, which I think is just exactly what we don't want to do. Yeah. So I see it right here and okay. I can actually put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, it's yeah. the school of biblical evangelism. Right. Yeah. 101 lessons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like 24 bucks on yeah, living It's waters. somewhat expensive, but well worth it. Well worth it. It's, yeah. it's by far the best. I've, I've studied how to evangelize effectively for years. I think it's so important. And this is one of the best resources I've yeah. ever found. Yeah. So guys, we hope this episode was a blessing to you. As we said at the beginning, we'd love for you guys to uh, leave us a review. We'd certainly love for you guys to reach out to us too. Maybe you have some clarifying questions or some encouragements to offer to us about this episode or others. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You reach her, Vicky with a Y, at lovelife.org. Check out the podcast website, gospelcenteredprolife.com, and the training and equipping website, sidewalks, the number four, life.com. Uh, take advantage of those uh, resources. And until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you